And it's that God knows every detail about your life and every detail about you. You know, you're not an accident. Some people in our world today, people think that they're an accident or they have no worth or they're hopeless and, you know, they're a mistake for some reason. But you're not. You're not a mistake. There was no accident that God put you here today. And what I think about is that each one of us are unique. No two people are the same. So each person, when God made you, he put intricate thought and wisdom into making you who you are. And to making Bradley, to making Victoria, to making Chris, to making all of you guys in your own unique way. And Easter is a wonderful time to realize that we are his prized possession. You are valuable to God and you are worthy this morning. And the resurrection speaks volumes to that, we'll talk about in a second. Now, as, as um, my life has changed quite a bit in the last few months, um, one of the things that I've learned throughout uh, the birthing process and having Anna Lee, and you learn a lot, I'm probably not near as much as Gracie has, but I learned a lot. And um, one of the things is, it's pretty amazing how the mother's body changes as soon as the baby's born to start providing for the child, you know, and to start providing nourishment for the child. And so I started thinking about that a little bit, and it was just, I looked into it a little bit more. And one of the best ways I believe that we can see just how much detail and thought went into making humans and to making you in particular is how, your, how the mother's body changes to meet the needs of the baby right after birth and even through the first few months and years of, that, of the baby's life. Her body immediately goes into adaptation mode to start providing for the baby's needs in a new way. And God designed it to work exactly like this. So I want you guys to listen to this article here that I, that I found. I think you guys will find it pretty fascinating. And I'll explain why we're going over this in a second. So it says, in the beginning, the mother produces thick, honey-textured colostrum, which I had no idea what that was until recently, but uh, it's, pa- it's packed with um, immunological components that protect the newborn. So it's basically like the baby's first vaccination. Um, and this is from a board-certified pediatrician. She explains that one of the major immune boosters is called SIGA, which coats the internal organs in the lining of the digestive, respiratory, and reproductive tracts. SIGA doesn't let bacteria and pathogens get in through the gut, so it protects your baby from the inside out. Colostrum is designed to suit your newborn's growing body. After the baby has an initial immune system supercharged from the colostrum in the first two or three days, the mother's breast milk immediately begins to change and increase in volume. And as, as the baby <clears throat> begins to grow more, the milk changes substance a little bit to, again, provide the nutrients that the baby needs. It's pretty amazing that the mother's body just knows this and just it doesn't have to be told. The doctor doesn't have to do something particular. The mother just automatically goes into this mode because, again, God designed it in that way because God designed for you to be taken care of, for your needs to be met, and for this to happen. But even more amazing than that is as you begin to grow, as you become a toddler into a teenager and into an adult, as many of you are today, there's some amazing facts about the human body that point us to a creator. And I want to read you guys off a few pretty crazy facts this morning that you probably haven't read before. And I think this will put into perspective. Again, I'll go over a while we're doing this in a second. So the first one I put this, this morning is, your tongue is covered in 8,000 taste buds. Think about that, 8,000 taste buds. Each taste bud contains 100 cells helping you taste your food. It's pretty incredible, a lot of cells in, in, in your tongue. 
And then, I, now this, you guys are going to be grossed out on this one. This is pretty impressive, though. The entire surface of your skin is replaced every month. Think about that. The entire surface of your skin is replaced every month, which, put another way, means you have about 1,000 different skins in your lifetime. And your body has 2.5 million sweat pores. 2.5 million sweat pores. That's probably why some of you guys smell a little funny. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but but uh, that is interesting. Um, number four is if you live to the age of 70, which the average age is a little bit older than that, your heart will have beat around 2.5 billion times. 2.5 billion times by 70. And number five, we got two more here. Every second, your body produces 25 million new cells. Every second, your body produces 25 million new cells. And in addition to this, probably to me, besides that one, the most fascinating fact of this is you have 100,000, think about that, 100,000 miles of blood cells or blood vessels in your body. 100,000 miles of blood vessels in your body. Now, why is this so important to go over this morning talking about the resurrection? The reason I want to go over that this morning before we dive into the story is because you're made with incredible detail, even down to the littlest little cell in your body. God put intricate time and detail into making every single one of us. Every, the way your body works, the way your body functions, the way your body provides, it's, it's all God's design because he loves you and he cares for you and he put intimate thought and wisdom into making you who you are today. And that all points back to the Father's love for you. In Proverbs 3, it tells us that God created all that we see in wisdom and in knowledge. He carefully and thoughtfully knit you together, as it says in Psalms. In Proverbs 3, it says, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths broke open and the clouds dropped from the dew. And Psalms 139 says this. I want you guys to think about your life today in Psalms 139. It says, For you, were, you formed my inner parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your words. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. Your book, in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So why are we talking about this today? Because everything about you points to God's handiwork in your life. Everything about you points to the love the Father had to make you. The thought, the wisdom, the love, the fearfully and wonderfully made, all of it points to how God loves us. But the problem with that story is we didn't reciprocate that love back to God. God loved us in that way to make us this intricate way that works perfectly and to make this wonderful life for us. In the Garden of Eden, when he originally created humans, he gave them everything they could ever want and more. He gave them a perfect place with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, self-control, and all these things. We have an enemy that tempts us. We have an enemy that says, go against God. Go this way instead. Follow what the world says. Follow what society says instead. And we listen to that time and time again. Every one of us is guilty of this. Every one of us is guilty so although God put all this time and detail into you, and he loves you this much, one of the first things he even did was to turn against him. 
One of the very first things human did, humans did when God put them on earth was to go their own direction instead and not follow him. And I want you to think about if you were God in that moment, how would you feel about that? Think about if you spent years or whatever it was building a project uh, and making something that was, you know, awesome, and it was supposed to help you and make your life better, and then immediately when you turned it on, it, it hurt you or did something that was totally contrary to what how it was designed. Think about how you would feel. Most of us would say, forget it, scrap it, we'll start it over, it was a wasted effort, you know, I messed up. But that's not how God responded to our sin. It's not how God responded to the way we treated Him. God, God showed us even more love because the only thing that we deserve in life is eternal separation from Him because of our sin. He gave us everything. He made us perfectly. He showed us love and kindness. And yet we have turned against Him time and time again from the beginning of time into now. Each one of us in our own way, whether it's your thoughts, your actions, or your words, we've all turned against God in some way or another. But yet God still pursues us. God still chases after us, and that's why we have the hope we have this morning in the resurrection. Because while we were sinners, while we deserved death and separation from God forever, which is the punishment of our sins, God said, you know what? I love them so much. I care for you so much. I'm going to make a way for them to still be in heaven with me one day, to be forgiven of those sins and to wash them clean completely. And that's the kind of love he showed when he sent Jesus. Jesus came to earth as the Son of God, our Messiah. And I want you guys to think about this. So we, we messed up terribly. God said, you know what? I'm going I'm to show them incredible love and grace that they've never seen before. And I'm going to send my Son down to earth to be God in the flesh and to live with them. And instead of people saying, wow, God, thank you so much. Another chance. You know, God still loves us. He still cares for us. What happened? People crucified him. And even today, Jesus has risen from the grave. He's alive today. And what do people do? They say, he's not real. I want to follow my own God. I want to follow my own way. Time and time again, all through history, God pursues us. God shows us love. And we turn against him and go our own way. So I want you guys to think about that again in your life. If you constantly pursued somebody and showed them love and affection, and they constantly went the other direction, how many of you would keep pursuing that person? How many of you would keep showing love to that person? Probably most of us wouldn't. We would get upset. We would get mad. We would decide that it's not worth it anymore. But that's not what God did for you. It's not what he did for me. Because God showed us unconditional love. And even though Jesus came down to earth to be our, our Savior and to reside with us, and the people crucified him while he was on the cross, he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And I want to read you guys off the part in Matthew about the crucifixion. And I want you guys to put yourself back in this time. If you were witnessing the crucifixion, I want you to think about all the things that are happening here, all the things that led up to this moment, and the way Jesus responds to our hatred toward him, our hatred toward God, our rebellion, our disobedience toward him. Instead of lashing out, cursing us out, being mean and rude or, you know, whipping us, I want you to see how, how Jesus responds, willingly going to the cross for you. Willingly dying for you. I want you to listen to the words here. It's in Matthew 27, starting in verse 24. It says, 
So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people were answered, his blood be on us and on our children. Think about that. His blood be on us and our children. Like, wow, you, you guys want that? You want Jesus' blood to be on you? But that's how, that's how the hatred that was growing in people. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they, listen to this, they mocked him, saying, Hail the king of the Jews. They spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head with it. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put, on, put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. As they went out, they found a man's Syrian, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means a place of a school, they offered him wine to drink, mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Basically, they sold him to people. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head, they put charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself, again mocking Jesus. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests, with the scribes and the elders, all the religious leaders of that time also mocked Jesus, saying he saved others, he cannot save himself. Hmm. Then it says, he is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God, let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now the last part here, I want you guys to catch this. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice again and yielded up his spirit to God. I want you guys to catch a few things here. After we rebelled against God, God sent Jesus. Instead of us loving and worshiping Jesus, we sped on him. We mocked him. We said horrible things about him. And we nailed him to a cross, put a crown of thorns on his head, and ended up stabbing him in the side eventually until he died on the cross. Now, some, and I, another point in the story here is, Pilate actually offers an alternative to crucifying Jesus. He offers up Barabbas. Anybody ever heard of Barabbas before? One of you guys? He says, if you want to, I'll release Barabbas to you instead of, or I'll release Jesus instead of Barabbas. So Barabbas can go to the cross, he can get crucified, and Jesus can go free. 
or you can crucify Jesus. Now, if you know the backstory of Barabbas, Barabbas was a basically a serial sinner. <laughs> basically, he was constantly getting in trouble, constantly breaking the law. You know, he was mean, he was rude, he was not a good person whatsoever. And yet, when the people had a choice between Jesus, the Son of God, and Barabbas, they said, give us Barabbas, let's crucify Jesus. And through every bit of this, what you don't hear in the Bible, what you don't see, is Jesus getting mad. Jesus yelling back at them. Jesus throwing stones at them. Jesus trying to hurt them. He sits there and willingly takes it over and over and over. To the point to where he's about to die and he asks for God to forgive these people for killing him because they know not what they do. If the story of humanity ended at the conclusion of this passage, it would be the most tragic ending that anybody could ever have. There would literally be no hope in this life and no purpose anymore. But praise God, that's not the end of our story. And you look here, there's another important point to note this morning. See, Jesus being God in the flesh also knew all the details of the sins that we committed. Jesus knew how the people would treat him. He knew how you would treat him. He knew how you would turn against him time and time again. He knew how I would turn against him in my life. He knew all the sins that we would ever commit in this world. He knew that our, our, our human nature was going to be very sinful. Yet he still died on the cross. And then he didn't stay dead because three days later he rose again defeating death, defeating sin, and giving you hope. He came back to say, no matter what you've done, even if you were the ones that put me on the cross and killed me, even if you were the ones that put the nails in the hands, nails in the feet, and you're the ones that put the crown of thorns on my head, I'm here to be your savior. And if you ask forgiveness and turn to me, I'll forgive you for not just today, but for all eternity. And when you die, you won't go separated from God forever, what you deserve. You won't spend eternity in hell separated from God. You'll spend eternity with me rejoicing. And again, a place of no death, no pain, no suffering, even better than how I originally had it for you guys on earth, in heaven with me and the Father. That's the love God has for you. That's the kind of worth and value God believes you have this morning. So when you doubt yourself, you say, I'm too sinful. I've done things I shouldn't have done. You know, God can't possibly love me. He can't possibly want a relationship with me. The ones that nailed the nails in the hands of Jesus, the ones that nailed the nails into the feet of Jesus, he came back three days later and said, if you just ask forgiveness, I'm going to forgive you for all eternity because I still love you. And I came to save you just like anybody else. And the last thing I want us to think about this morning <clears throat> is this. Committing to Jesus doesn't mean that you're going to live perfectly from now on out. Okay? I don't think any of us have lived perfectly since we've accepted Christ. But your life should change radically. And what I mean by that is that if you understand what Jesus did for you and the love that he has for you, 
Even while you were the worst possible sinner, he died for you and gave you a hope? And you accept him as your savior? Your life should begin to look differently. And I think many of us in the church, as we see nationwide, live no differently than the rest of the world does. We say, yeah, I believe in that story. That's awesome. I'm glad God loves me. You know, that's great. I'll keep that in the piggy bank. And then we go and live our lives how we were before. But if you've truly encountered Jesus, and you've truly said, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins, I'm going to commit to follow you, and please be my Lord and Savior, your actions will begin to look more and more like Christ as His Spirit comes and dwells in you and leads you more into the will of the Father. Jesus didn't come to die on the cross for our sins so we could still live in sin. Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins so we can live a new life in him. And I want you guys to think about this this morning. Your life, when you accept Christ, begins to have purpose in everything you do. You begin to see the wonderful plan God has for you and you begin to walk in it. God uses you to make an eternal impact on the world around you. And as you grow in your life closer and closer to God, and you should be growing, that's called sanctification, you'll have, that, you'll have a fire and a passion for God that you'll want to share it with others. Not just in the church, but outside the church as well. You'll want to go out and do the things that God's calling you to do. So if you look at your life this morning and say, you know what, I don't really do anything the Bible says. I live life my own way. You know, I, I, I said I accepted Christ. But my life looks no different. But I would challenge you this morning, have you really given your life to Jesus? Do you really understand the cross? Because if you really understand the sacrifice he made for us, while we were the worst sinners we could possibly be, and we still make mistakes, it should radically change your life for all eternity. No, you're not going to be perfect. I make mistakes every day. But you should be actively pursuing God and trying to live more and more for Him. And as you do that, He promises to be with you. Life's not always going to be easy, but He promises that He'll be with you every step of the way, giving you hope, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. And, and one day when you die, whatever you do for Him on earth, you get rewarded for that in heaven, and it makes an eternal impact. If you're living today without Christ in your life, you have a God of something else. I told our youth this on Wednesday, everybody has a God that they worship. And you'll say, well, no, atheists don't worship a God, or agnostics don't worship a God. Everybody worships something in their life. And the way you can determine what you worship or who you worship is who's the biggest priority in your life. Whoever you spend the most time and energy focused on, you know, whether it's a family member, whether it's sports, whether it's a hobby, whether it's music, you know, whatever it may be, whatever you focus your life toward is basically what you worship or who you worship. So if you look at your heart this morning and God is not number one, maybe he's number eight or number nine or way down the list. Now I would encourage you during this morning, get your life right with Christ this morning. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry for putting you behind other things. I'm going to rededicate my life to you and put you first and center again, and start living for you. Because if you're not living for Christ, and you wonder why you don't have the love and the joy and peace in your life that you desire, it's because, it's not because he ran away from you, it's because you're running away from him. Now, I want to leave you with this this morning. 
On the flip side, if you don't accept Jesus as your Savior, unfortunately we get separated from God for all eternity. And I think when we talk about that more, when we think about that more, think about your loved ones, your family, your friends, those you work with, those you go to school with. If somebody is not following Jesus, they don't know this story or they don't understand it completely, and you have an opportunity to share that with them, why would you miss that? Because if you don't share with them and they die without Christ, they spend eternity separated from him. Because, yes, Jesus died for your sins, so you can have new life in him. But if you don't put your new life in him, you're still dead in your sins. And the punishment for sin is still going to affect you. So I want to ask you this morning, have you made that decision? And have others around you made that decision? If you haven't, I'd encourage you, today's a perfect time. The Savior's waiting with open arms for you to come to him. And if you know somebody else in your life that has not accepted Christ, today is a perfect time to start that conversation. Show them that love. Show them that kindness. Explain to them what, what Jesus did and the love he has for them and the worth and the value he has to them. I think the, the biggest thing our society needs right now is not more laws and policies, although those things can be helpful. The world needs Jesus. If the world had Jesus, we wouldn't have all these problems we have. Because if, you under, if, the, if the entire world understood this and they understood that Jesus rose from the grave and what he did on the cross for us, you wouldn't be living this way you would be living. You wouldn't, be li you wouldn't have shootings. You wouldn't have people you know, raping people. You wouldn't have horrible things happening, robberies and things like that. Things you see on the news every day, those things would not happen if everybody had their life centered around Christ. If their life was focused on him. Our world today is hurting, they're desperate, and they're in need for something, but it's not the, what the world is trying to give them. It's Jesus Christ. It has been that way for thousands of years, and it will be that way forevermore. And if we can give them that this Easter season, and as we go about our lives, that will begin to change the world. Because when people give their lives to Him, He changes them, and our world begins to look more like Him. And that's, what's gonna, that's what God calls us to do. So I'm going to leave you with this verse this morning. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Now catch this. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. If you're hurting this morning, if you don't have that love, that joy, that hope in your life, you feel like my life just doesn't have meaning or I'm confused with my purpose, center your life on Christ. Give it to Him this morning. And when you do, everything begins to make sense. So I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, but before I do that, um, you'll see under most of your seats, you'll have a little response card. I know most of us here this morning are uh, a regular churchgoers here. But if you guys have a prayer request, if you're giving your life to Christ, if you want to talk to somebody afterwards, if you want to talk about being baptized, we would love to get with you in the next week and do that. Write that down on the card. Nobody's going to see it except the church leaders. And we'll be happy to pray for you, talk to you this week, 
give you a Bible or resources that you need. And if you have questions, if you're still confused, I would love to talk to you more about that afterwards. So as you go ahead, during the, during the invitation, I'd encourage you guys to go ahead and fill out those cards. And as you leave, there's a basket right beside, right out there on that table. Place the cards in the basket, and, and that'd be a wonderful thing. And real quick, as the invitation's going, there's something special about the invitation this morning. I'm going to go ahead and, like I said, give you the response cards. But as you're filling those out, you're just going to sit down. You're not going to stand up this morning. You're just going to sit down in your seat. And the girls are going to sit down as well. And there's going to be a video that plays with the song Glorious Days. Glorious Day. And the video is taken from the movie The Passion of the Christ. Okay, many of you guys have seen that movie. And basically the video is going to focus on what we talked about this morning which is the crucifixion. And I want you guys to just watch that and to think about how vivid it really was, how bad it really was, and then again, through all of that, Jesus willingly did it because he loves you. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for uh, just giving us the opportunity to, to be with you this morning, just to see your words and to celebrate what you've done for us. You've shown us the greatest love the world ever knows. And I ask that we dedicate our lives to you this morning. If we've been walking astray, God, I ask that we turn back to you this morning, put you in the center of our lives. And Lord, if we've never made that decision to follow you today, I ask that we say a prayer similar to this, and it's not so much the prayer, but the heart behind it. To say, Lord Jesus, I know you died on the cross for me. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I'm committing today to follow you. And I ask that you be my Lord and Savior of my life forevermore. And if you haven't said that prayer today, uh, and that's, that's the first time you said that prayer this morning, again, please fill out a card, please talk to us. We want to celebrate that and, and to give you more information. But if you know somebody else in your life this morning, I want, you to have, I want God to put them on your heart. I want you to think about them. And just pray, Lord Jesus, give me an open door. Open the door to me, for me to talk to them this week. For me to witness to them for me to pour into them and to show them the love that you have for them as well. And then no matter what they've done, you die for that. And if they put their faith in you, you'll use them as well. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Then we'll go ahead and... Uh,